0: We look at two passages of scripture this morning as a foundation as a foundation for the series entitled Toolbox for Life. The first one is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse number 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Guys, if you could put that up on the screen for me, that would be great. The Bible says, if the axe. Everyone say the axe. I'm going to keep it. We're just going to keep it inside there. Keep us nice and safe, all right? So then I'm a safe guy. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring great success. If the axe is dull, when you go to use it, it takes more strength, but skill brings great success. The next passage I'm going to read is found in Joshua chapter 1. It's another Old Testament passage. Joshua is being, receiving a word from God. God is challenging Joshua about living a life of success, living a God kind of life. He says, this book of the law, this word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do, uh, to do everything according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good Success. Everyone say good success. This morning, I want to talk to you about overcoming naysayers in our life. Overcoming naysayers in our life. Let me pray. Father, uh, thank you today for grace. Thank you for the work of your spirit. We've already sensed in our time of worship, and Lord, I just pray for your people. Give them spiritual ears to hear. God, we want to leave here, Lord, with something that we can take into tomorrow. Something that will change our world, our sphere of influence. God, I pray today that you will help us to become everything you've created us to be. God, I bless your people. Now, Lord, one more time, I need you in the second service. I need your grace and your wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. 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 You may be seated. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands of books that have been written to teach you how to succeed. And what I've discovered in most self-help books, and I've read a bunch of them over the years, is that mostly if you have drive and determination, you can become anything that you want to be. Well, I mean, that's a good thought. It's a good thought. It's not necessarily a God thought, but it's a good thought. See, our culture has a definition of success that says bigger. Bigger bank accounts, bigger car, bigger house, bigger. That's kind of the world's concept, a a bigger office, a bigger promotion, a bigger paycheck. It's the world's concept of success, and it's always about me. It's always about me. The world's concept of success is about what I can get, what I can achieve, what I can accomplish. And there is a part of our lives that that is true. The bigger issue though, it's not the complete picture. It's not the God picture that he's created for you and I. The fact is God created you and I to succeed so that we can become better, better at blessing others. Every person in this room was created by God for a mission. Every person in this room was created by God to succeed at not just becoming a better me so that I could have more for me. No, so that you could become a better you so that you could be a better blessing to other people. The heart of God today isn't for me necessarily. The heart of God is that when he comes into me, he enables me to minister and to serve others. It isn't about me it's about others. Jesus said the greatest, the greatest, the most successful at my king are those who become servants of all. And So the heart of God today is for us to succeed. But God's success is not just a little. It's 180 degrees different than the way that the world defines success. Now here's what I know about God. I'm a dad, I got two boys. My, my youngest son is Keenan, he's 22. He was playing the guitar up here on the stage. I think he had an Alabama hat. He traded over to Alabama today because we were in Alabama last week and his mom bought him a hat. And so he's wearing an Alabama hat right now. He's not an Alabama boy, he's a Florida boy. Uh, But Keenan's been a great kid, great champion, and everything he's tried to do is very best in life, and I'm proud of him, so proud of him as a dad. But I remember when Keenan was four years of age, he played soccer. How many of you had kids that played soccer around three, four, five years of age? Come on, parents, raise your hand. All right, how many of you had your kids play any sport at three, four, five years of age? Now you know when they're little, they're not allowed to keep score, right? Right, true? Uh, and at least in, now, in today's world. Now, I remember when Keenan was four years of age, we weren't allowed to keep score, but I remember standing on the sideline with all the other dads and moms, and let me tell you, every parent was keeping score. <laughs> and, you know, when they're that age, it's not really soccer ball. I call it huddle ball. You know, there's 12 kids on a field, and wherever the ball is, there's 12 kids just going up and down the field. I and mean, it's a lot of fun, but boy, when your child's team or your child scores, they score the goal, because inside of you as a parent, you want your child to win. Someone said amen, because you're a good parent. You love your kids. You want to see them succeed. Jesus said, if you being evil... And our nature, our human nature within itself is evil. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father desire to give good gifts to you? See, God's for us today. God wants you and I to win. God wants us to become better followers of Jesus. And so we're on this journey. We come to Christ. We come to faith. If you don't know Christ yet, if you haven't come to faith, if you haven't truly discovered who he is in your life, you don't have a personal relationship, you'll have an opportunity to do that at the end of the service today. But if you do know Christ today, you're on a journey. You're on a journey. And your journey as a Christ follower because the good father who has given you his Holy Spirit now lives in you and he wants you to become better. He wants you to become a better dad. He wants you to become a better mom. He wants you to become a better Christian. He wants you to become a better worker, a better employer, a better employee. He wants you to become a better friend. Why? So that you can become better at serving other people. That's the heart of God today. And so we're on this journey, but we all have what I call naysayers. Everyone say naysayers. Now, here's the deal with a naysayer. A naysayer, I got a definition up on, I don't know if it's Webster's, but it's some definition that's on the internet. I got it off the internet. It must be true, right? But... A naysayer is a person who says something won't work or isn't possible. A cynic who, who habitually expresses pessimistic views. Now, how many of you have had a naysayer in your life before? All right, don't look to, your, don't look to the person you left or right. And don't look at your spouse. We've all had them, right? We've all had people in our life who didn't believe whatever we felt inside was possible. Now, here's the problem they're not God. They they don't know how God made you. They, They don't know the dreams that God placed in you. As a matter of fact, anyone, anyone, any team of people who has ever sought to accomplish something significant has had naysayers. You know, the Wright brothers, the first guys to fly a plane. The experts of their day said that it was impossible. It was impossible to create, they actually said this phrase, a human flying machine. In the 1940s, the president of uh, 20th century films, movies, said that television would never work because nobody would want to sit in their living room for hours and watch a little box. (laughs) True story. Moses, called by God believing. God told him, you're going you're to complete the promise that I gave to your father Abraham 400 years ago. You're going to lead my people out of slavery, captivity, and bondage, and you're going to take them to the promised land. Only two other people believed. No one else believed. Naysayers. Impossible. Too difficult. Too hard. Pharaoh's too strong. When they left Egypt, when God actually delivered from Egypt, they still didn't believe that it was possible naysayers, people who just don't really believe. Now when I first became a follower of Christ, uh, you know, there's Debbie Downers and Discouraging Dans, right, I had a discouraging Dan. Anybody ever a discouraging Dan in your life? Like every time, you know, they, they're not a bad person, they just, something about them, they bring out, it brings out the worst in them, for some reason, they feel so bad about themselves. They feel like they got to bring you down. I don't know. I don't know why they're discouraging Dan's in your world. But whatever the reason, not necessarily a bad person. But when you get around them, you leave discouraged. You don't leave encouraged. And this guy was named Dan, and and I liked Dan. We'd had a good relationship before I came to Christ. But when I became when I became a Christ follower, he did everything he could to discourage me. One day, he called me into his office and he said, Eugene. He said, in five years, this Jesus stuff that you're doing right now, you're not gonna be doing it. He goes, I I guarantee you're not. I said, in five years, I, I was listening to him and he was trying to beat me down and tell me how dumb it was and you know, this is just a little fad that I'm going through. And You know when someone tells you that it's not gonna work, right? I went to a wedding yesterday and the guy before he officiated the wedding said, no photography. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to take a picture, right? I'm like, bless God, I'm inside of me. Five years, I said, 10 years, I'm going to serve Jesus. 15 years, 20 years, I'm going to love Jesus in 20 years more than I do today. I told him that. That was 35 years ago almost. Amen. Whatever it was, a long time ago. <laughs> when I was a boy. <laughs> Paul, don't tell me. right? And, and discouragement, naysayers come into our life they try to rob us they try to steal the destiny that god has placed inside of us and if we're going to overcome the naysayers of our life we've got to use the right skills the bible says that david was a man after god's own heart and he shepherded the people with skill everyone say skill Skill. and anointing everyone say anointing it isn't just God's resident power in you that's going to enable you to live victorious. You've got to develop some skills. You've got to, develop some, you've got to take the tools out of the toolbox. I'm dangerous with this thing here. <laughs> and you've got to use them. I could look at that tree in the back up here. Over here, that there's a palm tree that they just cut down recently. and I looked at that palm tree for a long time. I looked at it for a long time. It was supposed to come down. But it wasn't until Pat and Mike that took a great big chainsaw. And that thing was sharp, and they brought that palm tree right down. It came right down. It's with skill and with God's anointing that we overcome the naysayers of our life. The first naysayer potential that we'll have in our life is what I call the naysayer of delay. Everyone say delay. It's a barrier. Now, we're going to look at the life of David here for a few moments. It's 1040, so give me about 25 minutes, all right? 25 minutes. We're going to look at the life of David, and we're going to see how David overcame some naysayers in his life. But David, as a young man, was anointed by God at the age of 17. At the age of 17, David had seven other brothers. There was eight sons of Jesse. David was the youngest. And the Bible says that Saul, had, who had been called of God, anointed by God, started living his own kind of life. He wasn't serving God. He was, he was wanting bigger for him, not better for others. And the Bible says that God removed the call. I, I don't understand all that. I don't know how that works. But let me tell you, God removed his hand, his hand of blessing from Saul's life. I do not want God to remove his hand of blessing from my life. Come on, amen? But whatever Saul did, God did and God chose another man, a man who would be after his own heart, the Bible said, who would do all of his will. And so Samuel comes, God tells him, go to Jesse's house, and I got the guy for you. So he comes, and, and he, Jesse brings all of his boys out, brings out the oldest boys, and, and Samuel looks at him, God says, nope, 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 nope. And Jesse, uh, Samuel says, is anybody else? He goes, well, I got this one kid, he's only 17 or 16, but he, he's out there, he's a shepherd boy taking care of sheep. and you know, he, I, look at, look, I got this, I got my oldest, Because the oldest child in the Jewish culture and custom would get all the blessing. He would get the father's inheritance. He was the firstborn. Jesus was the firstborn of God and creation. He he was God's only son. David was a young man and Samuel brings, Jesse brings a man. He comes out from the field and God said, he's the one. The Bible says he takes a flask of oil, Samuel pours it on top of his head, literally douses him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. He's anointed by God, and Jesse was there in that moment. And then this battle comes. This story in First Samuel chapter 17 is a battle between the Philistines and the Israelites. And the Bible says that the Philistines were on one mountain, and the Israelites were on the other mountain, and there was a valley in between. And on this hill stood a man by the name of Goliath. He was a giant. You take Shaq O'Neal plus three feet, right? You ever seen pictures of Shaq O'Neal? I saw this picture on the internet. I don't know, it, it's got to be true, right? It was on the internet, but got to be true. But I saw Shaq O'Neal with his wife, and he's like this tall, and she's like four foot six. And he's like going all the, trying to hold her hand. Well, I don't know if it's true, but I just saw it on the internet. We take Shaq. I mean, Shaq is big. I don't, I mean, you know, he's not a boxer, but one hit from Shaq, you're going down. One pop from Shaq. Get in there, oh, you think you're, get out there, I'll play a little battle. Yeah, get out there, play with Shaq. Bam, man, you run into him like you hit a Mack truck. He goes for the goal, he just run you right over. You be on the floor. You take Shaq plus three feet, that's ten feet tall. He was a bad dude. He was a warrior. He was a warrior. He, he was born to fight. He loved to fight. And at this time, his goal was to destroy the people of Israel. Now, here's this shepherd boy, 17 years of age, watching the sheep. And this is where we find our story. And the Bible says, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Now, David was the youngest of Jesse's sons. His three other brothers had already enlisted in Saul's army. They were already on the battle line. Look at verse number 15 says, But David was held back to care for his sheep. Everyone say hell back. Sometimes we feel hell back in life. You have a dream. You have a goal. And you feel like either people, maybe, maybe because your background or your, your educational experience, or maybe because the color of your skin or your gender, whatever reason, there's, there's something inside of us that seems like it's holding us back from this dream, this goal. His call, David was anointed of God. He was called of God. And the Bible says that David was held back to take care of the sheep for his brothers. What I've discovered is that although we might feel like we're being held back by others, what I really believe, what I really believe is that God is working a divine delay in our lives. Because here's the deal. If you are seeking first the kingdom of God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No tongue that rises up against you shall be condemned. You are the servant of the most high God. If God is for you, who can be against you? And so we feel like others are holding it back. But the fact is, this is a divine delay. What do you do in the time or the season of delay in your life? What do you do? How do you live? There's an opportunity in front of you, but there's opposition. Many times, most times, every opportunity has a plus to it, and the plus is opposition. The plus is opposition. Opportunity plus opposition equals the will of God. And So what do you do in in the delay of life? What do you do in the time when you're not quite sure what your next step is? What do you do when you've received a call or you sense that God is doing something in your life? What I believe today, God is allowing these divine delays to test us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 2, the Bible says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Remember how God saved you. Remember how God and the sweetness of that moment came. Touched your heart and showed you his love. Oh, I was talking with someone this last week and they told me, How that in one moment God just came. Their heart was so full of hatred and anger. And in one moment Jesus just came and he filled them with love. You remember that? You remember how I led you and fed you and delivered you from me? Keep that verse up there. Look what he says here. These 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. The question for you today is what do you do in the time of delay? The fact is is that God is always working in us. There's always a season of preparation. There's a season. There's a destiny, there's a call, there's a dream, there's a plan, there's a desire. But before the fulfillment of that, there's always a time of testing. And so what do you do? What do you do? You know what David did? David tended sheep. When David's father said, I want you to go now and I want you to take this cheese and this wine to your brothers on the front line. David served his father. Do you know what David did in the time of delay? He went about doing his father's business. He He was doing what God had asked him to do in that season. Victory was going to come. Great breakthrough is going to come. He would become the leader of all leaders in the nation of Israel. But his time wasn't just yet. And so what do you do during the time of delay? The second, the, the, the second possibility, the second barrier that we possibly could experience in our life is discouragement. Everyone say discouragement. Now discouragement can come from anywhere. Uh, discouragement can come from all kinds of sources. I want us to look at some, some some possible discouragement that David could have experienced. In verse number eight, the Bible says, each day Goliath would stand and shout at the ranks of Israel, why do you come out here and line up for battle, you bunch of weak knees, wimpy, scrawny little Israelites? Every other bad name? Every other terrible name he could, every other discriminatory name he could use against him. He had, didn't have the PC police trying to patro, patrol his language. He would have killed them. What are you doing out here, you bunch of wimps? Choose one man to fight me. If he's able to kill me, we will become your subjects. But, I, but if I kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Day after day, Goliath taunted them, saying... The day I defy the ranks of Israel. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, everyone was deeply shaken and paralyzed with fear. They were paralyzed. They were mobilized. They were discouraged. Discouragement starts to settle in your heart. Things happen, people say things. Experiences don't turn out the way that you hope, and you become discouraged your heart begins to sink. That sense of hope that you once had for a preferred future starts to leak. You're like, wow, why, God? The fact is, is that when the Israelites heard the taunting of this giant, the Bible says they became paralyzed and terrified and deeply shaken. They were shaken to the core. And they froze. They couldn't move forward they couldn't serve, they they, they couldn't do what God was calling them as a people to do. They couldn't defeat their enemy. And when discouragement encompasses your life, when discouragement takes over your world, it's hard for you to move forward in God. It's hard for you to become better at anything. Our tendency when we become discouraged is to want to do two things. We want to flee, or we want to sit. We want to run, or we want to sit. You see, Fear has two definitions in your life. Fear has something inside of us that causes, causes us to forget everything else, all of our responsibilities, and run. Or fear causes us to rise up and face everything and rise. You have a choice today. Discouragement. You're, man, things didn't work out. The job didn't turn out. The relationship didn't turn out. Things have gone sideways with your kids. You can make a decision to forget everything and run from God, run from his promises, run from his word, run from the truth of he is, run for the only hope that you have in Jesus, or something can rise up inside of you and say, I'm gonna face this giant. I'm gonna face this devil. If God be for me, who can be against me? Someone said, Amen today. I mean, the difference between success and failure in God's kingdom is simply this. It's simply this. We either run from God or we run to God it's that simple it's that simple it's either we run away from the things of God we run away from our responsibilities in a local church we run away from living a life of generosity we run away from living a life of service and giving ourselves away for others we run away from it or we run to it we run to God we run to our opposition we face it head on Now David's opposition, David's discouragement came in the form of his brothers who questioned his motives. In verse number 27, in the message, I love the message paraphrase. It said that when David went to serve his brothers at the request of his fathers to bring them some cheese and some wine, the Bible said the older brother heard this and he burned with anger at David. Why are you even here? Why aren't you taking care of your scrawny little flock of sheep? You cocky little brat. I know how conceited you are. (laughs) Ha ha. Wow, now what have I done, says David, can't I even ask a question? No, no, you're you're like, no, you can't, you can't say anything. You're my little brother, what can you do? I beat you up from the day you were born. (laughs) Question is motivation. See, what his brother didn't know is that he was going about his father's business. What other people don't see in you, what other people don't see in you is your motive. You don't know my motive. I don't know your motive. It's impossible. The Bible says that a man looks at the outward, but God judges the heart. It's God that looks at the motives of human. You sit there, and you try to figure out, oh, he's like, you know, this pastor, we were talking last night, and we was talking about another pastor, and you know, and this, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I can't figure out their world. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out my world. I mean, I can't figure out how he needs to pastor his church. I just need to figure out how to pastor my church. I want to be a better pastor so that I can pastor others better, so that I can serve others better. And his brother didn't know his motive. His mo- brother was trying to bring him, see his brother was discouraged. That's why I don't like to be around people that are unhappy. I don't want to be around somebody, I mean, I get we, all get we all need to be encouraged and like, that's good, but man, if every time I get around you, and how you doing, oh no. It's raining again. Well, you live in Florida. Walk into the store and, man, it's hot out there. Yeah, you're right. It's summertime in Florida. It's hot. (laughs) Wake up in the morning. You got two decisions, hot and hotter. (laughs) David had a destiny inside of him. He had a dream. It was a God dream. It was a God anointing. It was a God goal. It was a God drive. He would one day king somehow David's inquisition David's question of his brothers and his sense of confidence that he could do something to beat this giant made its way to the king king was Saul the Bible says that David was called to go and meet Saul and and when he met Saul David said to him don't worry about a thing I'll fight this Philistine okay king's like okay You're not a, you're a shepherd, right? You're a little shepherd boy. What have you ever done? Well, I killed a bear when he tried to take my sheep, and I killed a lion, both with my bare hands. Well, that's pretty good. But you ain't no warrior. You're just a little shepherd boy. There's no way that you can go. You're not trained for war. (sighs) He's been a professional fighter all the days of his life. You see, the expert was right in the natural but he was wrong in the supernatural. You see, what the expert didn't know is that God had given him a dream. God had given him a desire. What the experts don't know about your life is that the God who created the universe, the God who spoke the worlds into existence, the God who is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the yes and the beginning forever and ever, that God lives in you, and he designed you, he made you, and he's given you a dream to accomplish. Oh, He was an expert, he's right. 1995, I was reading a newspaper article in Fortune magazine and Bill Gates was the author. And I remember reading this statement in the article, Bill Gates said that he could see no use, no reason for someone to have a computer computer more powerful than a 486. And I remember thinking at the time, I had a 486 at the time. I think, oh I could use a little faster computer right now. So he, he said he couldn't think of a reason. What Bill Gates didn't know is that there was this little thing called the Internet, the World Wide Web, that would explode into a, a way that the world could never imagine and control literally the economics of the whole world. He, never, he, he just couldn't see it. He was the expert. He was the wealthiest man in the world. See, so he didn't have all the right information. And The fact is when other people look at you and you say you can't do it and you're not equipped and you don't know, they're not the expert about your life. There is an expert of your life, and his name is Jesus. And so David has to move forward. As many times our feelings can lead us into the wrong direction, we become discouraged, and if we allow discouragement to settle into our lives, we end up being demoralized. I don't you look at verse number 41 through 45 with me? And the Bible says that Goliath walked out towards David with his shield and spear, sneering at contempt, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. You come with me a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his God. Whew. When I was a little kid on the playground, we would say sticks and stones may break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's just not true. I've been beat up on the playground. I used to run from, uh, uh, you know, I had these two brothers. The one brother was my best friend, Alfonso, and his little brother was Reuben. And Reuben could beat me up. And every time I'd go down to play basketball with Reuben, I'd have to run away because he wanted to beat me up again. Alfonso can't just, he didn't want to stop. He liked to watch his little brother beat me up. I, I, those bruises are far gone. But the words that someone who was really close to me said at the age of 16, I'm 54 now, I still remember. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but names do hurt you. Now David was considering the source. This was his enemy, this was opposition. He wasn't going to stop. When opposition comes in your life, you can't let it stop you. I've said this before, and it works here, but hear me today. When you're going through hell... Just don't stop. Just keep going through. Keep passing through. Isaiah said, you will walk through the fire, but you will not be burned. But if you stop in the middle of the fire, if you stop in the seasons of discouragement and de- being demoralized, you will be burned. Whew. Taunted him, trying to demoralize. The men around David were completely demoralized. They were frozen and paralyzed By fear. The Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is our heritage. This is our heritage. You have all the resources, all the power, all the principles to live a life of success in God. It's available to us. But it's not the weapons of this world. It's not bombs and bullets and bombastic language. No, 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 no. Paul the Apostle says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number four, he says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They're not natural, they're not of the natural realm. But they are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Mighty through God, the divine power, the divine power that's resident, that lives in you. Listen, and Samuel, the Bible says that the, the anointing came upon Samuel. It was literally poured upon him. And from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord came came upon David. Let me tell you something today. The Spirit of God just doesn't come upon you today. The Spirit of God, that same God that was inside of David that caused him to rise up and stand up in the face of that giant just doesn't come on you now. He lives inside of you now. The resurrected King lives in me. Come on, say amen. He lives in you today. Divine power. The greatest revelation that I can walk in today is that he is in me. He, the overcomer, the conquered death, hell, and the grave lives in me. And this 17-year-old boy would go against that giant, and he would take him down. You come, and your bombs and your bullets in your bombastic language. But I come to you in the name of the Lord God, the the Lord God of the army of the hosts of heaven. I come to you in the name of the God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I come to you in the name of Jesus, the one who conquered death, the one who conquered the devil. The Bible says that he went into hell and he busted the the gates of hell open and he set the captive free. That same God same God is in us today. David overcame his enemies because his enemy wasn't God. Your naysayers, they're not God. They're just not. They're not God. God has called you. I love what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. He said, God has created you to be his workmanship, his masterpiece. You're God's creation, You're created in His image. Gifting, skills, dreams, desires that come from God. God wants you to accomplish. God only not only designed you, God also destined you. In Jeremiah, the Bible says that before the foundation of the world, I created you, I appointed you, I destined you to be a spokesperson to the nations. God's created you to live a successful Christian life so that you can serve others better. God's created you to be a reflection of his image and his glory so the whole world may know. When David told this giant that he was coming down, he spoke to him. He said, all the world will know that the Lord of heaven, the Lord God is the God of gods. The Lord God is the Lord of lords. See, when God begins to work in your life and you allow him to flow through you, that destiny that he has for you, that plan that God has created for you, Paul, the apostle of the Bible, says that he was sent out by God. God is sending you out of these four walls to be a better you. God is sending you out of these four walls to overcome the naysayers, the discouragement, the demoralization, the doubters, the unbelievers, so that you can be a better you In your world, I want you to close your eyes. God's speaking to us today. David expected God was going to give him his success. The army of Israel, they had fled. David made a decision to fight. David expected that God was going to give him success. David actually told Goliath, Goliath, I'm going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to give your dead bodies to the birds of the air and the wild animals. He said, this is not my battle. This is not my battle. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give victory to us. Your battle today is not flesh and blood. Your battle today is not your battle. Yes, you're, you're going to engage. David acted. David put five stones in a sling, and he brought the giant down with one stone. But it's the Lord's battle today. And are you going to let the Lord fight your battle? Are you going to let the Lord do what he can do in your life? You're here today, say, Pastor. <clears throat> I've allowed some stuff, discouragement, and distractions. I, I've even felt maybe demoralized, and I didn't know if I could keep going. But I'm I want today, I want to live in the victory that God has for me. I want to live a life of grace. You're here today, and that's you. You said, God, said, Pastor, I need that grace. Paul prayed this prayer. All hell was against him. And he asked the Lord three times, and God said, not, no, not yet. He said, Paul, my grace, my grace, that unmerited, unfavor, that kindness, my grace is sufficient for you. For in, my, in your weakness, I become strong. In our weaknesses, God becomes strong. And you're here today, you hear today, say, Pastor, I'm willing to let God have complete control. I'm willing to let God, I'm remembering the Lord my God. I'm going to give it all to Him today, I'm going to rely on His grace.